The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Three McBonagle here with you. Ba, 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 ba. 877-337-6666. So yeah, Kevin Durant showed back up as a Phoenix Sun, came back to Brooklyn last night. A lot of hoopla surrounding it, whether he's gonna play a, a whether they should play a tribute video, whether you should boo or not. And they did. In pregame, they didn't stop the game. It wasn't mid-game. I guess the uh the R.J. Barrett and quickly one was done like mid-first quarter or something. They stopped the game a little bit during a commercial break, whatever. I don't know. But this was done in, in the pre-game warm-up, and it got mixed reviews. Got some cheers, got some boos. I heard one caller on <laughs> with Keith, who practically had no voice left, and he was just like, I can barely speak because I spent the entire night booing that man, and I am so... I am so depressed with the rest of my Brooklyn Net fans that they didn't go out there and boo him too. They were actually people who cheered. Someone came up to me from the from the security team and said, "Calm down, calm down. I will not be silenced. This man deserves to be booed. He was terrible here, and while he wasn't, uh, the uh, the the era and the big three will go down." As the 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 currently at the moment the epic fail in NBA history, so I get it. I get not wanting the tribute video, and I get booing it or whatever. I don't. I would never boo the tribute video. I'd boo him if he touched the ball, which there wasn't much of. He scores thirty three points. The Phoenix Suns take care of the Bro- the lousy Brooklyn Nets. Not a surprise, but I mean, I it's funny to me how people react because, you know, I'm not saying. The tribute video, I wouldn't have booed. I'll be honest with you. Because I, I will say this one thing. All right? He did choose the Nets when nobody chose the Nets. And I know Kyrie had much to do with it. Maybe if Kyrie didn't choose the Nets, he wouldn't have come to the Nets. But superstars don't come here. They don't come to the Garden, let alone Brooklyn or New Jersey, going back to when they were the Nets. Like, they don't choose to come here. And he did choose to come here. And that's why I, I connected to Aaron Rodgers a little bit in the idea of they chose to come here, and the difference with Rodgers and Durant is Durant wanted out the second it became difficult. Aaron Rodgers is dealing with some difficult stuff. Now, he's been the cause of a lot of it. He's the one who brought in some of the players. who He brought in Lazard. He's, the, he's arguably the reason why Zach Wilson's the backup. There's many situations that he's part of the reason. But Durant, too. Durant wanted the, the coach fired and Kenny Atkinson. And they brought in Steve Nash. Uh, You know, a lot of the issues come from Kevin Durant as well. But Durant ran. And, you know, as he just said there in the clip, I guess he's, you know, every year he's the leading vote getter at the All-Star game. So the Brooklyn crowd was behind him and the Brooklyn fans behind him. The difference is, and as we compare it to, you know, Brunson, who didn't get enough votes from the New York fan, which, by the way, I've said this too, who honestly... Like, who honestly votes for these things? 
Like, I'll, I never remember. If I, like, I'm as big a Yankee fan as there is, all-star voting, I, it's the, the last thing I do is go to MLB.com and fill out a ballot. Like, some people were getting on the, I saw a lot of, like, you know, the, the gifts of people like, hey, it's your fault he's not an all-star. You know, hey, look at you. If you're wondering why your guy isn't an all-star, look at yourselves, Nick fans. Like, who the hell goes out and votes? I'm sorry. I just, I don't I don't care. I don't care enough to actually go and try and make a vote and, and, and get my guy into the all-star game. Just pick. I'm so tired. The fan voting's dumb anyway. Just pick the all-stars. Have major league vote players themselves vote on the all-stars, and those are the all-stars. But then, but then you don't have Derek Jeter in his last year. Then you don't have Cal Ripken in his last year. Then you don't have, you know, Shaquille O'Neal in his last year. Which, oh, how would you have an all-star game without those players? But if you look at the difference, and really here's the difference between why Kevin Durant will never be beloved anywhere. Like, unfortunately now for him, his legacy is, he might, he's like, he's got the two championships, and I think he gets a bad rap for that. I think Kevin Durant was not was was the best player on those teams. They won a championship prior to him to getting there, no doubt. He joined a super team and took the easy way out, no doubt. But he was the best player on that team and he deserved the MVPs to that to those championships. I mean, he was the driving force, even more so than Curry, who's a great player on his own, won championships before Durant and won a championship after Durant. So Durant took the easy path. And that's really the difference. Kevin Durant doesn't want to struggle. And that's why he'll never be beloved. And that's why he won't be beloved here. That's why he won't be beloved in Phoenix. That's why he won't be beloved in Oklahoma City or, or, or the Bay Area. He won't be beloved because he doesn't want to struggle. He wants the easy. He just wants, and it's not set in stone that you have to want to struggle. Like you could do whatever you want. All he wants to do is relax play video games, you know, maybe go with people on Twitter now and then, have his fun, relax, and then go to the gym and hoop, as he as he puts it. He just wants to play ball. He wants to play ball with guys that complement his game. He wants to continue to get better as a basketball player. And he just wants a nice, easy working environment. He doesn't want to have to be the person who carries a franchise or has that responsibility. He doesn't want to he doesn't care about legacy. He doesn't care about any of that. He just wants to go to the gym, have fun playing basketball. He wants to work hard, which I think he does. He wants to, you know, be as good a basketball player as he can be. I don't doubt his work ethic or the idea that he wants to be great. I think all that. He just doesn't care that, oh, when the going gets tough, put me in a better position. I don't want to stick. Like Brunson, Randall goes down, and I don't think for a second Brunson's like, geez, now uh, if, if Randall missed the whole year or Randall got moved or whatever the case, what do you think Brunson would do? Brunson would step up and say, all right, this is my team. I'm going to lead us to where we need to go. What does Kevin Durant do? Oh, Kyrie's not going to be here. Forget this. Get me out of here. Why would I want to do this? Why would I want to try and battle to make the Nets as good as they can be? I have no interest in that. I have no interest in trying to put any team on my shoulders and carry them somewhere. What do I care? Why do I want that burden? Trade me, move me somewhere where I have other great players and I'll play good basketball and I'll, you know, I'll make that team better and we'll try and win, but I don't want the hard way. And to me, unfortunately, as great a player as he is, and I think he's, you know, you're talking about one of the 20th, 20th, one of the top 20 25 players in NBA history. One of the great scorers ever. 
I mean, I think you know, he'll go down as one of the great basketball players to ever live, and he should because he is. But he doesn't have that mentality of I'll, I'll do this. F you, F everybody else, don't care. I don't care who I play with. I am going to beat you, and I am going to be the last man standing when this is all said and done. He doesn't have that desire. At least it doesn't seem that way. It just seems like, hey, put me in a good situation, make it comfortable for me, put me with guys who compliment my game and I compliment theirs, and you know we can go about winning. That's fine. I want to win. I want to win championships, sure. But like the idea that oh now Kyrie and 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 James Harden have left the Nets. You want me? You want me to see who you guys can get and wait a year or two and try and drag this thing to the finals? Why would I want to do that? No interest in doing that. Move me to what the hell? We'll call it a we'll call it a, a just a, a rough era. You know, when I come back, don't even give me a a tribute video. You know, at least he's self-aware to recognize. But I I think he's very self-aware. I think he'd agree with everything I just said. I don't think he would take me to task at all. I don't think he would. I think he'd be like, yeah, why would I want to? Why do I want to make life more difficult? I want to play basketball. That's it. But at the garden, uh, at the garden, at the clays, he came back. He beat you. He scored 33 points. And it was mixed reaction from the crowd, which I listen. I as a net fan. I, I'm sure I would have a, a certain feeling towards him. I think, I guess the feeling towards him would be it's you know it's it's unique because the other two, there's no doubt how you feel. Like the other two, there is just James Harden in particular. Just forget. I mean, talk about guys who just want the easy path. And Kyrie, I mean, as you know, just a different guy. Um, obviously, has been an issue everywhere he's been, pretty much, and. It was kind of eventually, it just felt like time to move on from him. Durant, it didn't feel like that, but, and he was, for the most part, did demand a trade. He played great. You know, he's an inch away, literally, quite literally an inch away from dragging them to the finals, or at least to the to the Eastern Conference finals, and beating Milwaukee, which I think they would have ended up going to the NBA finals. But, yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant is forever will be Someone who is viewed as that, in my opinion, a great basketball player, doesn't have that killer instinct, and wanted to take the easy, you know, he had no interest in the path left, less traveled. He had no interest in in doing things the difficult way. He had no interest in sticking it out here and trying to figure it out and trying to get other players and figure it out with with Marks and, and, the, and the Nets and figure out players they could bring back who could really work with him and bring a championship to Brooklyn. He had no interest in doing doing that. Once Kyrie and, and, and Harden were gone, he's like, well, I guess it's my turn. Send me somewhere where there's another great player so I can, you know, I think Phoenix would be great. Okay, we'll figure out how to get you to Phoenix. 877-337-6666. Meanwhile, Brunson and the Knicks, you just get the idea Brunson will rip your heart out. And Brunson ain't going nowhere. And it doesn't matter what happens with Randall, which right now I'm concerned. Because let's be honest, the thing with Julius Randall is, for me, good news travels quickly. If this was a situation where the MRI was taken, the injury was Saturday, the MRI was Sunday, today is now Thursday morning. I, I know it's a little early on Thursday morning, so let's call it Wednesday. Like, nothing the early reports are, oof, you know, the worst fears are avoided. You know, we'll see. It should be weeks, not months. We'll wait and see. And now day after day, no news. The further this goes on with no news, the more I'm thinking they're doing further testing because they're seeing a problem. 
And that's just the, you know, the pessimist in me, especially when it comes to injuries. When are injuries ever? Oh, yeah, no. You know what? Dodge the bullet. When's the last time anyone's dodged a bullet in this town? It's always worse. It's always, yep, you knew it. It's going to be six weeks. How bad's that hamstring? Oh, it's a grade three. It's going to be six weeks. He'll come back and be barely able to run. Oh, it's, oh uh, judge's chest is bothering him. It's done. Oh, no, broken rib. See you in July. Thankfully, well, not thankfully, but lucky for him, half the season got canceled. Like, it's just always, and the idea that they have not come out and confirmed early reports that it's not that bad, not that that much damage is done, and it should be weeks, not months. The idea that, that no one's come out and confirmed that yet, and we are still waiting on news from Julius Randle, makes me very worried. And then, so that's the question for the Knicks here. Because every pundit you listen to, everyone, I, everything I read, it sounds like, or sound did like, the Knicks were not going to make a move before the Randle injury. It sounded like they loved the chemistry of the team, and why not? It's been unbelievable. You've got, you know, you got Heisenberg chemistry going on with the Knicks right now. And I just think that, you know, they didn't want to, it sounded like they weren't going to make a move. I still think they should have for a, a, a Brogdon or whatever, but it sounded like they weren't going to. And now the belief is, well, hey, if Julius Randle is months away, if Julius Randle is a major issue here, if he's going to be gone for most of the season, you have to go out there and, and try and bolster now the the front court as well. So could you see moves being made to try and bolster that area of the team where you didn't think they would, where you thought maybe they'd get that guard, but now if Randall and, and just every day that goes by, the more and more concerned I am that Julius Randall is 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 probably more hurt than the early reports. And that it might be all right, maybe weeks, not months, but maybe, you know, six, maybe nine, eight, eight weeks, two months, you know, something like that. Where something's up. Something's up. My 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 spider sense is going off on this. It doesn't make any sense. I feel like good news would have already been out there. So we'll see what Julius Randle has. The Knicks play tonight against the the Pacers. Trying to start February the way they ended January. I'm bummed. There was no Nick game to talk about tonight. See what they do. I mean, this is another tough game against, you know, Indiana home during the middle of a homestand. But how we'll see, you know, another day off for Ananobi. See if he can come back from the elbow, you know, little issue. And hopefully he can play in this game. We'll see. But like, how long can this go on? And, I, you know, Evan was asking the question today if they're championship contenders. Right now, it feels like it, doesn't it? And it feels like Brunson has emerged and started, you know, starting to really solidify himself as closer to that superstar player than we thought he was. Even earlier this year, even parts of last year, <clears throat> he's starting to emerge as someone who is even better than we thought. And if Randall can come back and what Ananobi has done to this team, they can't. They can't get to an NBA Finals. They can't get through the East. They can't. Absolutely cannot beat the Boston Celtics. They can't beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who lost to the Boston uh, uh, Portland Trailblazers last night. They can't. I don't know. 877-337-6666. Bruce and Flushing. What's up, Bruce? Hey, Chris. Yankees and Knicks. Yankees Yankees. and Knicks. Yeah, on the Yankees. 
There's a Yankee website called Yankees Go Yard. On it today was a tweet by Bob Kaplis, and it said, and you'll be happy about this, that the Yankees' game plan is to go for Burns mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. Now, it's a risk involved, because if Milwaukee is doing good, they're probably not going to trade Burns. But if Milwaukee is not doing good, that supposedly is the Yankee game plan. And with the, with the um, trade uh, for the, the ex-Cub the ex guy, um, that oh. allowed them to buy time so they can wait until the trade deadline to wait for a the, guy like Burns. The signing and, of Stroman? Yeah, Stroman. Okay. That, that gives them a time to say, okay, we can hang out to the trade deadline until we get Burns. Again, it's risky. Because if Milwaukee does well, it's more I risky guess. than just that. Is it's risky that other teams will step up with better packages? I mean, right. I, I understand that. But it's m- very risky. But obviously, Milwaukee wants to wait and see what kind of season they do. But if, yeah. if the Yankees do get Burns, if it's a nice yeah, if the if the Yankees get Burns at the trade deadline, I feel a lot better about them. I feel a lot better about this. I mean, unless he's having a terrible first half. But yeah, if Burns is a Yankee. Come August and heading into the postseason, yeah, I'll feel a lot better about them. That bolsters the rotation. Now, we'll see, but I mean, I just I don't like that idea of waiting for the deadline. They did that last year with left field. How'd that go? Brian Reynolds signed with Pittsburgh early on in the year to a long term deal, even I think it might have even been before the season started. And then every other and then uh obviously Bellinger gets taken off the market because the Cubs get hot. And right now, the trade deadline is more fickle and more unsure of it than ever, considering the added playoff team. I mean, more teams are open to sticking with it and seeing if they can sneak into the playoffs than ever. So, I mean, it depends on how Milwaukee feels. It depends on how... Because I, I would tell you that even if Milwaukee's having a decent season and is in line to be at least competing for a playoff team... They might be in a position where they don't think they're good enough, especially with the Atlanta Braves being as good as they are, with the Dodgers being as good as they are. Uh, you know, they might feel like, hey, we're not going to sign this guy. There's been some bad blood. We got to get a package for him now. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's, uh, if they felt that way, they'd probably trade him now. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. They might think they get a better package come the trade deadline, more teams involved. There might not be a lot of teams involved right now because the asking price would be higher and. Teams that don't necessarily believe they're in it, or you know, it's one thing they might lose a guy, you might lose teams to injury, you might lose a pitcher to injury on a team that's ready to go, and you could get a better package for him if you wait. But uh, yeah, that's fine. It's not. It's still scary to me. I, 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 you can. I trust the deadline as 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 less as I ever have. I'm I'm not confident going in saying, oh, they'll get Burns at the deadline. Okay. Oh, they'll get a left. They were going to get a left fielder last year. Didn't happen. I was on that train. I said, hey, Cabrera was great down the stretch last year, guys. Don't you remember? Oswaldo Cabrera was great for the Yankees, making big-time catches, robbing home runs, put the ball in play, played relatively well. I think Hicks will bounce back to some level. I mean, I don't expect Hicks to have an all-star caliber season, but I think Hicks could be okay. You got those two guys in left field until you get to the deadline. Then the deadline, they'll get Re- they'll get Reynolds. They'll get Bellinger. They'll get someone. The Yankees will get a left fielder if they need one. I was on that train. Said this, this time last year was saying that same thing. 
And then it was a disaster. Left field was worse than I ever thought it would be. Hicks was as bad as ever. Cabrera was worse than he was his rookie season. Or his first year. I'm not sure if he was classified as a rookie. I forget. But whatever. That first year he came up, he was worse. He regressed. Hicks was just as bad. And they had no answers. And they were playing freaking Franchi Cordero all year long. Jake Bowers. And never got a left fielder. So excuse me if I'm not really psyched at the idea that Bob Clappish is out there reporting that maybe they'll trade for Burns at the off, at the trade deadline. Yeah, okay. If it happens, great. Go trade for him now. I'd rather give up more prospects now and get him than take my chances at the deadline. Now, Milwaukee might not be willing to make that move, but I don't know. Call him up and make him an offer they can't refuse. I'd rather try and do that. And maybe they are, and hopefully they are. But I'd rather try and do that than just wait for the deadline and assume it's going to work for me. I, I think Burns is better than Bieber. I'd rather have Bieber now than wait for Burns at the deadline. So call up Cleveland and see what they're willing to take for Bieber. I'd rather – I don't like the idea of waiting for the deadline anymore. That was a – I felt better about that years prior. Now I'm concerned about that. And and honestly, you could have let's, – let's be totally honest too, like – We've we've seen now it's gonna. I'm assuming the new ownership for the Baltimore Orioles is gonna take over uh, soon for this season. You have a Baltimore Orioles team right now that is going to be desperate for starting pitching. Right, that's their main weakness. They are loaded. They are a young, stacked team, and you could have a new ownership group in there looking to make a point and chase a championship. And they could have a really good team battling for a division with the Yankees and the Rays and the Red Sox and needing a. Uh, starting pitcher bad, and they have so far more prospects to trade than the Yankees do. They could present such a better package to Milwaukee than the Yankees could. And if they have a new ownership group looking to make a statement, I mean, that's I don't think the Yankees can win that battle if that battle arises. So I'm not I, I'm not just like okay, great. We bought ourselves some time with Stroman. We'll get to the trade deadline, and then we'll go get ourselves an ace. That formula might have worked for the Yankees a handful of years ago. Ten years ago, that was a clear-cut formula. They were spending more money than most everybody else. They were willing to take on more contracts than anybody else. And it might have made more sense. And less teams were getting into the playoffs. And then even as you're playing for a wild card game, that it's a one-game series. Now there's an extra wild card game. You're playing two wild card games. Like, it's a different thing. Now, I mean, you got a better chance. And honestly, if it's – and the Orioles are in the mix now to make that kind of trade at the deadline, they have so many, they have so many young prospects they could give up for that pitcher that I'd be concerned. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Testaverde will take the snap, go to one knee. This game is over. The Jets lock up their first playoff appearance since 1991 on a 21-16 victory over the Miami Dolphins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you until 5 o'clock. Tomorrow, we got a 
our first non-football Friday. I'm sure we'll talk some football as we are a week away from the Super Bowl, but our first weekend without football since September. What a bummer. But baseball season is upon us. And for the Yankees specifically, you know how I feel about the Mets in this offseason. Just an absolute disaster. And hopefully they actually sign a bat or do something. Just one little old thing that shows me they have some sort of interest in 2024 being a positive year. But for the Yankees, they're looking for a reliever. We just had a call talking about the idea that they would trade for Burns or, or any you know top-level starting pitcher if they can at the deadline. I do think that's the plan. I think that is the idea. I just don't like it very much because I don't trust the deadline at all anymore. Teams are much more likely to be in it. Uh, more teams are likely to be around it and want to make trades. It's just it's harder. It's a more diff- that extra playoff and the new playoff format makes it very difficult to count on things at the trade deadline. Doesn't mean they can't do it. It just makes makes me less comfortable with the amount of teams that will still think they're in it, and not want to trade, and then the amount of teams that think they're in it and willing to go look for trades. Like there'll be more teams in the market for starting pitching and there'll be less teams willing to give up starting pitching. So that doesn't seem very plausible or, you know, a great idea for me. I would be very concerned and leery about building my team and leaving holes and with the idea of filling them at the trade deadline. I don't think you could do that anymore. Can you still attack the trade deadline? Sure. If you have issues, if things happen along the season, but I think more than ever, you have to go into the year with an idea of having your holes mainly filled or at least an idea of how you'd fill them as opposed to, oh, we'll take care of it at the deadline. I, I, don't, I don't like that idea anymore for the Yankees. But right now they're short a reliever, I would think. They're looking to add a reliever and a reliable one, a very good one, and a very solid good Yankee is now on the move. Wandy Peralta has, has signs a four-year contract with the San, uh, with the San Diego Padres. Four years, $16.5 million. I guess there's a couple of opt-outs in there, too. Now, here's what I'll say about it. When I first heard the news that Wandy Peralta, who I very famously, if you think the Afternoon Drive show is famous, I suppose, uh, I very famously got in, uh, you know, talked about this with Evan a lot. Wandy Peralta was the one of the most, if not the most, certainly down the stretch of 2022 uh, in the playoffs, the most reliable reliever they had was Wandy Peralta. I loved Wandy Peralta. I mean, you want to, and here I'll defend Cashman a little bit or give you a Cashman positive. Michael Tockman for Wandy Peralta was a brilliant trade. It was a brilliant trade. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, all you Cashman haters. There's one There's one for the good guy. Peralta was a great trade. Mike Tockman for Wandy Peralta was terrific, and Wandy Peralta was great here, and he was He was clutch. You could put him in any situation. He can get out right-handed hitters as well. He was dominant against lefties. I just felt good about it when Wandy Peralta was in the game. There was energy. He's a little bit of a, a, a clubhouse guy. The guys like him. Um, he's outgoing. He just exudes confidence. I loved watching Wandy Peralta on the mound, and I wanted the Yankees to re-sign him. So when I first heard that he went to San Diego, I was kind of bummed and pissed. And then I saw the deal. And while the money is more than reasonable, I don't know if it's smart to give four years to a reliever, not a middle reliever, which as much as I love Wandy Peralta, I don't I don't think he's a bad, I don't think he's a closer or a 
Like you want to give a four year contract. I know the money is minimal. I know you're paying him four million dollars a year. But you want to be locked into four years of Wandy Peralta? I'd rather give him more money in a shorter time frame. I would have rather have given him six million. I would rather give him twelve for two or something than give him four years. I just don't like the idea. And again, it's minimal. If the Yankees gave this contract, I wouldn't be killing it necessarily. I'd be surprised they gave four years. But I understand why Wandy Peralta is not a Yankee. Four years is a long time for a middle reliever who is solid. But let's be totally honest. This is what the Yankees do best. The Yankees target guys like Wandy Peralta. They'll go trade a you know, they'll go trade a lesser player in their organization for a reliever you really haven't heard of. Nobody heard of Wandy Peralta when he's with the Giants. You'll go get a reliever that they no one's ever heard of, or they'll promote someone from within, and he'll give you pretty much what Wandy Peralta has given you. I love Wandy. I'm sad to see him go. I wish the Yankees would have retained him. I'm not giving him four years, or at least I wouldn't like to give him four years, and they'll find someone to replace him. Because if there's one part of the team, we have seen them struggle year after year with the lineup. Despite the fact that they've led the American League and run scored a couple times over those years, come crunch time, you don't necessarily love the the lineup construction of the team and the offense. It's been an issue in the playoffs for sure for years. And they've struggled with that. So it's like, oh, I don't really have faith that they'll find someone to bring up. You know, they Cashman has found some gems and there's been the, you know, Certain guys who've come up and been great, even for just a small stretch, that helped stem the tide. You know, they've they've had plenty of moves just like that. Last year, it really fell on its face, and everything failed with with the Caderos, uh, Frenchie Cordero, the Bowers, all that uh, was unsuccessful. But years prior to that, they've done you know a nice job with it. But that's been a concern of mine. The starting rotation, whether it's Paxton or some of the moves, Brian Cashman has not been nearly as successful acquiring starting pitching at all via trade at the deadline has been almost unanimously atrocious and his free agents besides obviously Garrett Cole looks like he's going to be a great one Mike Mussina Tanaka CC Sabathia like those are decent ones but there's a ton of bad ones so I do not have as much confidence in just finding a starting pitcher I do not have just as much confidence as hey they need a bat they'll go find a bat but I do have confidence in, hey, they need someone who can pitch the 6th and 7th inning. They'll find him. They'll trade for a guy like Efros, or they'll make a move, and they'll be okay. So as much as I miss Wandy, I think four years is crazy for a middle reliever, and I do think this is the one thing. I think even the Cashman hater and even the Yankee fan who's dis- disenfran- disenfranchised by the way this team has been run for the last handful of years and thinks they're a bunch of idiots who think they're the smartest guys in the room. All the complaints we hear from the Yankee fans about the way Hal doesn't spend money and this one sucks and Brian Cashman's an idiot and name me the last good thing Cashman's ever done. He doesn't get a cha- He doesn't get credit for any of the championships, blah, blah, blah. All the, that typical guy who call me up and scream about Brian Cashman. I think even the most hardened Yankee fan and Cashman hater would have to admit they've done a really nice job just finding guys in the bullpen to come up and be really, really good. Like, not just solid, but really good. So it's the one part of the team I'm not so concerned about finding names we never heard of and having them stay, step in. Now, look, if that changes this year and the bullpen's a disaster, I think we're going to look back at Wandy Peralta leaving for $4 million. But 
as of right now, it's the least area of concern for me. They're going to go get another reliever some way, whether it's Middleton or someone else. They're going to bring in another reliever in the room, and then I trust them to have arms inside the organization that we don't necessarily know right now. Step up and do good jobs for them out of the bullpen. So I'm disappointed Wandy's not here, but ultimately I understand it. And it's the one spot of the team that I trust them to build and do well with. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the call. Stu in Brooklyn. What's up, Stu Pot? Yeah, good morning. Uh, you're right. Again, with everything that he did for the bullpen, yeah, he finds these arms. <coughs> yes. The one thing he has to do, or two things, he has to improve the offense. Yeah. Which I think they did. Uh, not well, I mean, they, they don't have to improve the offense now. They've gone about. I mean, if they if they struggle, they'll have to try and improve it at the deadline. Right. But I think I think they're done adding bats. Right, but uh, they need a like you said, they need a relief pitcher. But I would <clears throat> I wouldn't give them four years. No, you're right. I was surprised four that Wandy got four years. To be honest with you, I would not. I would not give any middle at reliever. The He's Diego not a, who's looking to for money from the outside to pay their players. Well, it's not so much the money. The yeah, it's not the money per year. It's the over. It's the four years. But the thing with San Diego is they need to fill innings in the worst way, and and you well, trust Juan uh, to throw innings. Well, he can throw innings. Yeah. But, uh, let me ask you: what, what about Lou Trevino? Is he a free agent, or are they going to re-sign him? I think. I mean, he's. I think he's going to be back from injury. What about Afros? Is he coming back? Yeah, I think Efros is going to be part of the bullpen as well. Right. <clears throat> so basically what they need is one one arm and preferably a lefty, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess preferably a lefty. Uh, I I don't – let me just double-check on, on Efros and uh, Trevino. But, yeah, I mean, you would like it to be a lefty. It doesn't right. have to be. Um, <laughs> but, yes, they could use a lefty. I'm getting to the Knicks. Uh, what's the story with Randall? I heard you said something about Julius Randall. What's he? When's he coming back? We don't or, know. They don't know yet. We, they, they, about, there's still um, been no official they... word. All we've heard is that uh, there is a um, an optimism that it's going to be weeks, not months. But that was a couple oh. days ago, and we haven't heard anything since. What about Anobi? What? Uh, I think that's a day to day thing. I have no. Uh-huh. I don't think it's a long term. Right. Well, hopefully it, he comes back soon. Yeah, it's uh, Anobi is just a day to day with elbow information. Well, he's playing the heck out of it. He, this guy, has been amazing since they've got him, and he adds uh, he adds a lot of energy to the team. And can they get can they get to a championship? I don't see why not. But Portland can beat who? Portland beat you said they were they, uh, Celtics. Or no, what? Portland beat Milwaukee. They ruined uh, Dame so Lillard's return. Who, who's to say that the Knicks can't beat them in a series? Well, I mean, I was kind of being tongue-in-cheek with losing to Portland. I don't think that means that you know, they, they can beat Milwaukee because Milwaukee lost to Portland. I'm just saying uh, on a night where they lost to Portland, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. But, I mean, they I think they can, and especially Doc Rivers heading over there. I mean, Doc Rivers is the ultimate, I mean, choke artist when it comes to playoff series. He's been an absolute disaster uh, after winning the championship in 08 with the Celtics. So... Uh, could they beat him? Yeah, and but I do agree. Like I, I think it's it's convenient a little bit. We're being overrun a little bit by how they've played over the last month. I'm kind of torn on it because yes, over the last month, what we've seen from the New York Knicks has been nothing short of brilliance. They're the best team in basketball right now. I don't think there's anyone who would argue they are as hot 
as any team, and they look like a team that they're dominating. I mean, they're dominating team, and I know the last two games. It's easy to say they're bad teams, but you lose Randall and Ananobi on the same night in Charlotte. You beat them. Now they're terrible, but you beat them. Then you come home for a back to back. You have to travel from Charlotte home. You, you without both of them again, and Ananobi doesn't play. And DiVincenzo steps up, hits nine threes, and you blow out the Utah Jazz, who were coming off an embarrassing loss the night before against the Nets, and you figure they try to make a point, and I think they did early on, but the Knicks are just too good. And they've had the best winning month in forever. They've won 14 out of the last 16 games, and they've changed the way they've played on a, since the Ananobi trade. That's just been unbelievable. And Brunson, and, and if Randall gets back, they've played like superstars this year, certainly all-stars, but conventional wisdom and the prevailing thought and the history of the NBA shows you you need a legitimate top five superstar in the game to win a championship. That's what it's been. I mean, there's, you know, besides besides the Celtic, I mean, the, the Pistons, excuse me, from 20 years ago, that's pretty much what it's been. Now, I heard some of this with... Um, I heard some of this conversation in the afternoons, and I guess, you know, Lugan and, and Marash made decent points about, at the time, certainly the, like he used the example of the first championship in Golden State. Did you Was Curry a top-five player at the moment, or, and did, or did he emerge to become a top-five player throughout that postseason into the championship and then beyond, where now you look back and say, oh, yeah, no, he's a top, obviously it. He's, he goes on the list of top-five players you need to win. At the moment, was he a top-five player? And then transfer that to to Brunson right now, and is Brunson capable of, in two years from now, when they look back, say, oh, well, the Knicks did have a top-five player. They just didn't know it yet. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And the idea that we are so quick, and I know it's a great month, man, and I love watching it, too. But forever, need a, need, need a, need a superstar, need a superstar, need a superstar. Need one of these top, you know, one of these big players. Need a, And now a 14-2 month, and I know it's the first time we've seen it as Nick fans in 30 years. But at the same time, now this month, the month of January, is going to make us discard conventional wisdom or make us believe that we have that player in the building because, you know, Brunson can give you a casual 28 points when you didn't even realize, you know, you look up like, man, he had damn near 30. I thought he played poorly in this game. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not I'm 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 going to enjoy the hell out of this right now. Right now they look like they can beat anyone. We'll see what happens come playoff time. But I'm not going to play the game of they're good enough to win a championship, they're not good enough to win a championship. I don't know. If you if you made me, you know, if you made me tell you, I'd say not good enough because that's what they've been for years. It's hard to just suddenly flip a switch and go, "Well, that's one hell of a January. They could beat anybody. Bring on, you know, bring on the Nuggets." I'm I'm not sure they're there yet, but they're closer to being there than I can ever remember. And if Randall comes back healthy and they continue to play this way and Brunson plays the way he did in the second half of that series against Miami, then maybe just maybe. But right now I want to enjoy this and I wanna I wanna know right now going in that I expect them to beat Indiana. That tonight they go into the the Pacers game, and let's just you know they're probably going to be 
even without Randall and possibly without Ananobi, you're going to be looking at a a big-time favorite. Let me check what the line is right now. The Knicks are three-and-a-half-point favorites against Indiana, and they have no Randall, and Ananobi hasn't played in two games, so how could you take him to account? Now, I know the Pacers are dealing with stuff too, but that's the kind of thing. You expect them to win every night. When's the last time we felt that way? When is the last time as a Knicks fan you felt like they were going to win every night, didn't matter who they were playing, where they were playing, when they were playing, who was injured, who was playing? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I still would like to see them add stuff. The idea, I was disappointed to hear, and again, it doesn't mean it's true, but everything I've read, everything I've heard is that prior to the Randall injury, the feeling was around the Knicks they were done. That they believed in this team as is, they liked the chemistry, and they didn't want to they weren't going to look to add and, and give up assets for another player this year. And now obviously the Randall injury has thrown this into flux. And I'm concerned about Julius Randall now. I'm I'm starting to wonder why we haven't the every, the longer it goes without hearing the specifics and without hearing it some sort of time frame and without hearing the actual injury and what's torn or what's strained or what's bruised or what's broken or whatever, the longer we go without hearing it, that early bit of optimism starts to slowly fade. That early report of, hey, seems like they dodged a bullet. It's weeks, not months. But let's just, you know, we're waiting for confirmation. The longer we wait for that confirmation, the less likely it is that it's a harmless, dislocated shoulder, popped it back in, see, in four weeks. Like I just I'm I'm getting concerned the longer we go. Because if it were good news, if it was that, why not confirm it already? They've had the MRIs. It makes me think, A, they don't want to, I don't know, they don't want to give the bad news. I don't know. Or B, that there are now further tests being done because they haven't liked what they've seen. Or they're talking to multiple doctors, or there's something going on. What's taking so long? The injury happened on Saturday. The MRIs were done on Sunday. It's now Thursday morning. What is taking so long to just say, hey, everything's clean. He should be back in three to four weeks. No no real major issues. Everything's going to be fine with Julius. If that's the case, why hasn't that been said already? Instead, we wait. We wait. And the longer we wait, the less comfortable I am. Very much, very much like at a steakhouse as I'm waiting for the wedge. The longer I wait, the less comfortable I am. And you start looking around. You're like, who else has got their food? I, I, that guy had an MRI to, on Sun, on Monday, and they already got his news back. I'm like, what's going on? Have you seen the waiter or waitress? Where's the doctor? I don't get it. I don't get it. I was told this is the, you know. Best-case scenario, dinner, and yet waiting this long is not a best-case scenario. This is going to start affecting the tip. I'm telling you right now, this is start, we're getting to the point where we're affecting the tip. This is the kind of service the Knicks give us? I don't like it. 877-337-6666. So we'll talk about that. We can take your phone calls for the next hour until 5 o'clock. Tomorrow we have a five-hour midnight ride on a footballless Friday. I suppose we can. the morning, so we'll still call it a feel-good Friday. But there'll be no football to be discussed. 
as we wait for the Super Bowl, and we'll get we'll start to break down that game. And it's still a one and a half point. Last time I looked, the Niners are a point and a half favorite. <clears throat> Let's double check here. Point and a half. And again, I'm very bad. I'm I'm upset with I'll just I'm upset with FanDuel. I don't understand why I got a lesser number. Because I Maybe you can help me out with this. I, I was talking about this yesterday. I don't know if you heard me. You were busy yelling at Jack. What a, I mean, this guy, I'm telling you, hovers over them. I don't know how the guy pushes a button right now. Um, I got it at two and a half, right? I, bu- I bet them two and a half, and I bet the money line. The money line was plus 108 when it was two and a half. Yesterday, it was plus one, plus one and a half when I checked, and it was plus 118. Now it's one and a half, and it's plus 110. The number's still better. How did I get a worse number on the money line when they were bigger underdogs? How is that possible? Wait, so what was the number you got? That that was just a lot of numbers at once. Okay. That, that was Mike-esque, just reading <laughs> off. Of- <laughs> okay. I bet Kansas City as soon as the championship game ended, and I got them on the line plus two and a half. Right? Immediately, same, same. The line was still the same. It was two and a half. I bet them two different ways. I bet them plus two and a half, and I bet the money line. I'm saying that so I can just point of reference. It's at the same time, and I'm positive that the line was two and a half. So I got them at two and a half, and then I bet the money line. The money line when it was two and a half was plus one oh eight. I got them at plus one oh eight money line. They are now a full point less of an underdog. At one at one at one and a half, but the money line is actually a better number at plus one ten as we sit. How is it possible that they gained a a point in the spread, but I'm get but they're getting a better odds money line? So one, I also because I also bet them on Sunday night, Monday morning while we were here, mm-hmm. and you're right, I got a low money line right in that like like plus one hundred eight region. Mm-hmm. My guess here would be that because I saw, you know, the public has been heavy on the Chiefs. Sharps have come back on the Niners. Right. So there's public money on the Chiefs, but a lot of bets, again, from betters on the Niners. I would have to imagine that people in the public who are throwing a ton of money at the is Chiefs. Is on the money line? Is on the money. They're not, they're not taking, you know, Joe whoever who's getting his, the free bets on FanDuel or launching an account. Maybe he has it and he just doesn't bet that often. Right. He's not taking, maybe when it was two and a half, but once it got to one and a half, he's, just taking the money he's not saying, let me take the one and a half. He's jumping on the money line. So the I numbers have I, to be I, adjusted to the sense that yeah, I guess I never, I never they even, can't let it get to the point where the public is yeah, getting plus, one to, or plus too much on the money line right. because on a short number like that, most of the public is just, and you'll yeah. have people in the betting community who do it too. Yeah. But most of the public at a number under two, they're ignoring the points. They don't yeah. care. They're saying, "What gets me more money? I think the Chiefs are winning anyway," and they're jumping on the money line. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just always assumed they were connected, but you're right. They're probably pounding the money line, so the books are trying to hedge their bets and make sure because they the don't books get also have a lot of yeah. sharp betters, and I mean people in general, but sharp betters are coming in to get the Niners back when yeah. it got to that one and a half range. Right. And get the lower number. I mean, I'm hoping, as someone who bets uh, Kansas City early on, I'm hoping it does get to that. I mean, I, I wish the, the the guys who want to bet San Francisco would wait any further because if it gets on the other side, if the San Francisco becomes 
you know, a, a plus one and a half or something. I'm going to try and middle this thing and hope that they win by a point. But, uh, like, I think it could eventually. I think at game time you could be getting points for San Francisco. I would think, but it has leveled off. It was two and a half. It did. It went down to one. Now it's back to one and a half. I guess the Niners are going to go off as the favorite. I'm shocked. I really am. I'm shocked. The way they've played, considering how Kansas City has played, and they have Patrick Mahomes. The Niners are the better team. So is Baltimore. The Niners have the better roster. But, I mean, Kansas City's defense is playing legit. Uh, I know they lost, uh, what's his name, who forced the, the sack fumble. So they've lost the pass rusher. But still, I mean, Spags right now is uh, Amenahu. Uh, they lost uh, as a pass rusher for the Chiefs. Spags is 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 putting on a display here. He is clearly showing why he is a Hall of Fame. I mean, that's how good he is. He is a world class defensive coordinator. And as all these guys get job interviews, I know he's not young, and I know he's been doing this for a while. I know he failed with the Rams, but like, you would think Spags would get another head coaching opportunity. I mean, the guy is just an unbelievable defensive coordinator, and. Right now, I trust that defense and Patrick Mahomes over the way San Francisco's been playing, despite the fact Brock Purdy comes up clutch and and took them from a 17-point deficit at the half and brought them all the way back, and then even in the Green Bay game, played terrible all game, and then still had the gumption to come through and make all the throws in the last drive of the game. I get all that. And ultimately, their defense has probably more talent on it in some ways than Kansas City, and certainly offensively, they have a ton more weapons, but... I'm surprised that the public has not already moved this line uh, into Kansas City being favored. So, but yeah, I got. I wish I would have waited on the money line. I'm, got, yeah, I'm getting, but when, but no, but even you know, I don't even think what, what we're saying makes sense. Please, wouldn't the number be less then if they're getting pounded on the money line? Why would the number move up? I don't. Know, it doesn't. Well, it moved up slightly, but, but you're, expect, enough, you're yeah, expecting you're expecting it because the, yeah, yeah, to move up to the like you said plus one oh eight. You were expecting to get it in the like plus. Maybe one to you wanted better numbers. Yeah, I wanted better numbers. Back yeah. San Fran. Yeah, I did. I wanted better numbers. And the money line, uh, both of them, at least for now, have kind of steadied. So we'll have all week to talk about that. Is obviously no football on Sunday. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. What do you do with no football on Sunday? I don't even know what to do. It's too cold to play golf. Probably. I mean, the sun doesn't shine anymore, so I'm not sure we'll go outside. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to come up with something. Maybe I can convince, since my wife doesn't pay attention, maybe I can convince her there is football. And tell her, oh, i got to go somewhere. I'm meeting up with the guys. Got to watch the football game. Hey, there's the Pro Bowl on Sunday. Yeah, hey, Pro Bowl. i got to watch the competition. They're going to drop a football from a helicopter. I'm going to see who's going to catch it. Can't wait. 